everyone. Welcome back to Captain's Notes for Young Leaders. I'm your host, Tyler Ross. Today, we're going to be diving into our conclusion of our four-part series with Wayne Worthington, uh, talking about recruiting from the recruiter's perspective and how to make yourself attractive as a leader um, for recruiting. We've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks, and Wayne, you've been a fantastic contributor. Really appreciate the insight. It really does impress me how much you've gleaned from uh, your short civilian career. And I know a lot of that comes from your time at the Academy and in the Marine Corps. I think you told me during one of our uh, preparatory calls that what's the difference? I've been I've been developing talent as ever since I've you know became a grown up. So which is true because as a Marine officer, it's what you do. So yeah, um, I, I appreciate you just being so thorough and so thoughtful and bringing so much to the table. We better have you know, pages and pages filled in our notebooks, or else you haven't been paying attention. You need to listen again because this has been good shit. Um, so what we're going to dive into now is the most important thing. We're wrapping this up. We're taking lessons we learned regarding how do you prep yourself to be ready for that next level? How do you prep your boss to say, hey, this guy's ready for the next level? How do you build your network and let recruiters see, hey, this guy's ready for the next level? Now let's bring it back down to basics. What do leaders do? Leaders lead people, mm -hmm. right? We're going to talk about managing down. We're going to talk about applying these lessons we learned over the last few weeks and let's manage our folks as efficiently and effectively as we can. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing that's going to make us more attractive to pr be promoted, to, to move industries, and the successes of our teams, because that indicates the impact that we had. Um, so without further ado, Wayne, managing down. As a recruiter and as a former Marine officer, let's take some of these concepts we've talked about and tell me how that can make us effective leaders. Yeah. Well, you know, it, like you said, me moving into talent to is the most obvious sensical and clear move that where I was uh, contributed to where I am today. And that, and that is being in talent and why I enjoy it. And so what I look for, you know, we've talked about transformation. We've talked about character. We've talked about communicating. Well, certainly those are all important at the end of the day. Also what's most important is the team, right? This leadership idea, and one of those fundamental pieces that helped me to grow and be personally successful is approaching the, the organization, my team, my people, understanding that their success is my success. We earlier talked about your boss's success is your success. Yes, that's your contribution to the whole. But if I put the success of my team first, the success of the organization is bound to follow and everything else will fall into place, right? So their success is my success. I couldn't agree more with you. And we talked about that a little bit in leading up, right? My job is to make my boss look good. That's kind of what you want too. You want to develop you know, your team uh, technically to be able to accomplish the mission to do what they have to do in whatever industry you're in. Um, but you also want to develop that morale, that ethos, that, that energy mm -hmm. where your, te your team wants to perform not not only because of the mission, but because of you, because you're leading them into battle, right? Like you, you want them to be motivated to follow you because you inspire. That's what leaders yeah. do. We inspire. Managers manage, leaders inspire. That's what we do. So at the end of the day, you want a whole bunch of folks that want to say, dude, I want to do well because my job is to make Tyler look good. My job is to make Wayne look good. Well, and that, that's, right. yeah, and that's the piece too. So like what, you know, I always like asking why or like what, right? So what is the boss looking good? What is my leader looking good? Well, that would be they find success. The team achieves. 
Well, how do we do that? Well, I, to do that, I have to find success in my responsibilities. Well, how do we do that? My subordinates, the team that I lead, finds success. So the only way that the boss looks good, the only way that the company does well is if the individuals at the bottom, the lowest individual is successful. And so as we focus everything on that, the, and that can be the product. How does the product successful? If our product is, um, let's say it's Amazon, right? Packing the boxes, things show up on time. If we focus on the excellence there, other things are bound to follow, right? Profitability will come. It allows for other investments and other places to find excellence. So it's, it's their success is my success. But then, you know, here's the, how do you do that, right? So there's different things that I have that I use to, to do that, right? So one is motivation. And then how do I give the tools and things behind that? And so what I would check myself on the military and now also is, is what does a leader provide? We talked about a leader, right? The Arate Talos, that is the leader at the top. But what does it do? What's the point of being a person character and having a vision? Well, the way you empower, do you get this team going is to provide, in my mind, three things. You provide training, resources, and priorities, all right? And that way they can be successful. I train the people to do what they need to do. And there's different techniques on how to train we provide resources. You give them the tools they need, the phones to make calls, the gloves to stay safe, right? And then you give priorities, all right? And this is where we also, we hate the micromanagement uh, manager and we hate people who are always in your business because you don't have the autonomy that you aspire to. And so by having priorities, I can always shift. What should I be doing right now? Ah, that's the priority I have. Once we complete that, how do I move to the next one? And so I always come back as the leader. Marine Corps, you know, really is where I helped to, to understand these, these three items. But I saw the successes with them in the past and try to use them today and also work to identify them in individuals as a recruiter. How do they look at their team and provide training, resources, and priorities to them? And that's how you can have this quick cycle and create an environment for teams to not only meet metrics, but to exceed them. That's fantastic. <clears throat> no, I completely agree with you. And, and that's the thing too, you know, it, depending on the industry that you're in, that motivation piece can be difficult. You know, example for me, part of my role is uh, I help lead our operations at our uh, large distribution center for a health system. We're charged with keeping hospitals and clinics full of stuff, um, especially challenging right now, given the situation. So, of course, we are very productivity based, right? I need my guys to hit certain certain metrics. We got to get certain amount of lines picked per hour to make it through the night. The amount of dues that we have and the amount of stuff we have coming in the building for orders to get trucks out on time. Like it is a race against the clock every single night. It's mm -hmm. a math equation. Shit in versus shit out against time. Like that. that's the equation. We got to hit it. But then how do you have time in there to lead and inspire and, and – and, and motivate right mm. and that's where that's that's where a lot of this becomes you know not just holding people accountable to a to a number but explaining the why behind it right, right. this is why this is the intentionality behind it listen guys we're not just here to kick your ass for 15 dollars an hour we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic you guys are getting stuff down race so your your mom your sisters your brothers your uncles cousins they go to one of our facilities with covid or with a broken leg or they're having a baby they're going to have the stuff they need 
to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, medical supplies don't grow on trees. They're they're put there by human beings. You were the beginning of that chain. You were the most important part of the chain. Without you, doctors are talented. They can only do so much with their hands. That's the message we try to convey. Right. Because you need when it, when you're in tw- hour twelve and you've got thirty seven thousand steps because you've been walking for twelve hours. What's that motivation? What's that fire? Right. The fire is you're doing something that is damn important. Right. And so I think that there's a few other aspects of this too, and say a change in motivation across humanity. I mean, I love studying this. Like what is the spark and what gets people going? The, you know, one day I think it'd be fantastic to be a chief incentive officer, right? Or like chief motivation officer of some kind, because it's going to keep changing. And so Daniel Pink writes in uh, the book Drive about the three levels of motivation. The first one is our uh, hierarchical of needs, right? We need shelter, food, water, safety, these types of things. So the first thing is our, we're motivated to have those. Next is we're motivated for materials, right? Enough money to have a house and a car and the things that I need to participate in society. But now in 2021, <laughs> it's 2021 now, is we have all those, right? We all have flat screens we, for the most part. Many of us have smartphones, the quality of our materials get to a point now that money isn't quite a motivator at a certain point. It is until, you know, studies show it's between the 70,000 to hundred thousand range is where money isn't much of a motivator for individuals performance. All right. And so this, this motivation 3.0 where we are today and what I try to work to uh, focus on and what I provide to those that are on my team and, and work for is is three items. It's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And so that purpose you were hitting on a lot there. I mean, why are we doing this? Because we're saving the I mean, seriously, you're providing products to keep people alive. That's huge purpose. Inside of that too, we talked about in providing priorities. Uh, so what a leader gives, and then what I'm trying to create my, my people here, this motivation is mastery and that's autonomy also. So autonomy would be, here's the priorities. Make it work. Come to me with solutions. You're going to be able to figure it out better. Don't make me dictate it. Come on. Let's go create and have this autonomy. And then the mastery piece is I want you to focus on this. Go be excellent at that. And we talked about that in our, I think our first series of be excellent today, be excellent at what your responsibility is. And so by clearly defining that for a team providing, and you, it must be lived day in and day out to tell your team, you have autonomy, mastery, and purpose in this responsibility set. That's how you get people to work to this standard of excellence and not wait for the clock to hit five. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it can be difficult too. You know, when you may not have an end state in sight, mm-hmm. and that was a good example in my industry, at least where every day, you know, it, it, for months and months and months and months, it feels like we're constantly kicking your ass. You know I mean? We've brought in so much more product. Let me tell you something. Our warehouse we used to have about 12, 13 million inventory worth of inventory in house. We got 40 million right now, dude. We grown because we're just we're just getting wow. as much stuff as we can because we have to, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't know when the next major supplier manufacturer is going to tap out. So it's an it's it's it's, it's an installation. What that does, it causes a whole downstream effect. We have more stuff coming in than I can push out. The warehouse fills up. It becomes very frustrating. The standard process doesn't work. You have to be creative, and there's no end in sight. So it's actually very interesting. Uh, one of my, so my, my, uh, training sergeant, 
from when I was at the Academy, my plea mm. beer, which basically is the dude who makes your life miserable because mm. plea beer is a year long boot camp and it sucks. Um, he's now my life insurance agent and a dear friend of mine. So funny how this works out. Um, but we used to go, you know, be punished for workout or whatever, or just go work out because it was part of the, you know, the regimen, the, the physical mission of the Academy is to stay in shape. And he would go take us out and we would do, you know, 34 push-ups, right? He, we would do 117 flutter kicks because he knew naturally once we got to that round number of five or 10 multiple, we're going to slow down. He would just keep going until we got to some random number. And the point was, you don't need to know when it's going to end. Just know that it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing. You don't need to know when. You don't need to be working to get, don't work against the clock, work against the mission, right? Like that. that's the point. It, and that always stuck with me where now we're facing a situation in my industry where, yeah, there's still no end in sight. There's, you have to have something more deep inside you intrinsically that keeps you pushing. It keeps mm-hmm. you from falling behind and we can't afford to fall behind. So it's That's a moral right. obligation for us to continue to find that motivation. And, you know, and leaders, you know, it's, it's in it, but you lead, motivate and inspire. How am I, where, how can I just ooze motivation? Good morning. Right. You know, this is funny. I had a commander too, Chuck Polden. Uh, he's a major now, but a 20 year Mustang guy. And he would, <laughs> he would wake up when we're in the field and go, attack. And you're like, did he just yawn and, you know, do the expression of relaxation going, ah, and then say attack. It's like, wow, that, that's a little goofy, but you'd hear it and go, let's go. You're right. You're right. We can make a bit of a joke out of this, but what, how inspiring is that? That we're, we're tired, we're sore, but you're going to wake up and say attack, right? Like what motivation, what inspiration to come out of these simple steps of that micro goal? It's going to be, I'm going to wake up on time, right? hundred percent. And that, and that, that goes back as well to, as a leader, and one of the key themes of this podcast, especially as a young person is you need to have empathy for your team. Like you truly do. And it, it goes back to your concept. I like the way you put it too. You know, love your team. Don't be in love with them, right? That to me is, is a good way to explain the empathy you need to have for your folks. As a human being, you need to care about them. And you care about them, A, because they're human beings, just like you, but B, because you have been blessed to have them under your charge for the majority of their waking hours during the day, right? So that, it's an, it's an honor. You have to have that empathy. And you have to be able to build those relationships, especially in the doldrums. Right now, I'll tell you what, we are in, we are in the, uh, the dark ages, right? The year turned, uh, just because it's not 2020 anymore doesn't mean it doesn't still suck, right? Mm-hmm. The world still kind of sucks right now. So you get past that mental barrier the year ending and you realize, oh, oh shit, it still sucks. How do you keep the motivation? Me and my team, like what, what, me and my managers who, who work for me, we just try to go before we start every set, every shift at the warehouse, just go talk, talk, just go talk. Like I know our supervisors, one of them is a huge Golden State Warriors fan. Like I'll go talk about Steph Curry. And guess what? I also happen to just love basketball. So it's genuine. Like that kind of thing. Just start that like, hey, they're coming yeah. in. They know it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a tough night. Let's just break that ice barrier down first. Let's talk, mm-hmm. meet people, and then just say, all right, dude, guess what? You got 10,000 lines tonight. You guys are going to absolutely crush it. You destroyed it last time. Keep the head up. The goal is to finish tonight. You're going to smoke it. All right. Make, make good decisions. We'll be back in the morning. Right. And it's a repetitive message. And that's good. Right. The right repetitive message is good. Of what you're doing is purposeful. 
You're doing fantastic. Keep it up. We'll talk soon, right? We'll, I'll talk to you when you get back. And, and that repetitive message, do not, do not fall short, right? Don't give up on that. And those are the things that you have to keep giving this, this positive affirmation that we are doing the right thing, even when it gets tiring. And you see that, you know, certainly in your line of work today, I see it when it searches and working out, we can't find the unicorn, right? Keep it up, everyone. We're doing well, right? We will find them. We will prevail. We will find victory and defeat. And, and you know, this is something you have to nurture. You have to nurture it in your team and grow them, um, you know, day in and day out, right? It, it does not stop. The responsibility of the leader is all the time. Yeah, hundred percent. So, <clears throat> You have definitely led Marines in your past life. Uh, you've led them in dangerous situations, in training, um, in gar what we call garrison life, which is basically just day-to-day -day at your base, just doing your day-to-day -day training. Um, now in your role as an executive recruiter, you're more managing process, correct? Do you have team members underneath you, or are you more managing kind of the process of, of executive recruiting? You know, it's more process. I, But here's also, I still find that their success – is my success, right? And so I am the one that screens individuals, um, interviews them multiple times and under, you know, knows they're gonna be a good candidate before we bring them to a client. But what I do also is that with our researchers who are the ones that scour LinkedIn for me to find individuals to reach out to, it still is to one of them, hey, researcher, this go around, I'd like you to send emails out and you screen them for five minutes, see if they'd like to have a conversation and then I'll talk to them. Does that add an extra step? Yes. And it's training them to move up. You know, honestly, Tyler, I think I'm doing my job if I work myself out of a job. I want to train the researchers on my team, the, cons the junior consultants, well enough that all of a sudden I'm not needed. Now, that, sound, that could sound crazy from an employment perspective, but that's when my team is doing well. That's when we're having high revenue. That's when we're creating profit. And with that, we can scale and we can continue to move and become more excellent in other spaces. But you also, I mean, you're saying that also in the context of, in the meantime, while your team is doing better and better and better to the point that they can replace you, you're also getting better and better and better to the point that you yes. can evolve. Right, right, right. So I'm not so saying that, that you need to sit further and further back on, on the right. point. Right, <laughs> right. But, um, but also the reason I asked that question is because a lot of folks who listen to this, they're going to be managers, they're going to be leaders, but they may not lead people all the time, right? They may, they may be more peer leaders where they have to be an example to their peers, but they may own a process, right? They may own like inefficiency or something like that, that they, that's been charged. They may own a product, maybe a product manager, and they have to own that product and know everything about it. I still think a lot of the lessons we're talking about, even though we're focusing on leading people, still applies to the concept of leading a process, right? And, and, and being able to be successful throughout the life cycle of the process you do. Absolutely. You know, it, it certainly does. And, and I think these archetypes and, and items that we talk about, they certainly span every industry and they span every age group they, and across every function within an organization. So I think, you know, this, this uh, fourth episode in the series, you know, we're basically, we're getting back to basics. So um, what I don't want to do is beleaguer too much or hammer on too much the things that we've talked about a lot in this podcast, but just kind of reinforce. But I think there's one thing I'd love to just, you know, talk to you about before we wrap up and we unfortunately uh, lose you until, you know, the next time you and I speak, yeah. this has been very, very helpful. Let's talk about trust. Okay. So 
I would love to talk about trust and, and obviously it means um, everything to be trusted by your team because to an extent you're trusted in a lot of cases you're also respected hopefully those two are mutually inclusive of each other um, but also you know we're talking about how do you position yourself to be successful externally and obviously you're not going to walk around the halls of your office building or of your warehouse or, or wherever you work just proclaiming that I'm looking for something bigger and better that's not necessarily the case you're just trying to prepare yourself for that natural next step to be effective so you have options right how do you maintain trust from your perspective even if it becomes apparent that you may be you know a high riser that that you you probably won't be at a certain place for too long because either you've got the pedigree you've got the ability or you've got the sponsorship to go to go far example i was at my my first civilian job for a year and i got promoted and I talked to the guy who replaced me all the time. And he's like, dude, I knew you weren't going to be for a long time. But guess what? Every time I go back to that building, I get hugs and kisses from everybody because mm -hmm. I was able to build that trust and relationship. So I kind of know how I did it. But from your perspective, how, as someone who's a young, hungry leader who may be going places, how do, you, how do you keep that trust and that love and that fellowship with the team that you may leave behind? You know, it's because you've, they have sensed that you've always had their success in mind. Right. And that's why, Tyler, you have that trust there. Now, to gain trust, you also have to give trust. All right. And so now for those that might have one people to below them, right, giving trust to that's the autonomy piece of things, giving just the brackets to work inside of you give that trust, you will gain trust. Now, let's say you're not at the bottom or excuse me, you're not a manager. Right. Excellent work will gain trust in your manager, those above you. And you'll continue to open that up. And so there, the difference in the application of trust to the individual, give it to get it, right? Certainly as a leader, you have to inspect things that you expect. You must show your, your care um, about the things that are required of you. Excellent work will gain trust from those above you. And when it comes to the team and maintaining it when you leave, is that you always have the individuals in mind, right? That's where the trust I think is really created and that their success is your success. And that's how you can go back to companies. And you can't rush it, right? That, that, that is built over time, over, over execution, over day-to-day -day managing yourself, winning today every day with yourself and with your team. And that's built over time. It's not something you can rush into. Yeah. Uh, but if it's, if it's real, it lasts, which is well, awesome. It's, it's an awesome thing to see. You know, and I was told too that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And it, listen, I think for some listeners, it might sound like, you know, hopefully you and I aren't being too touchy feely about how much you care and things like that. But it is a, this is a human based economy. It's a right. human based right. world, right? As much as we have phones, how did a phone get made? People made it. How are products get to your, how do they get to your home on a truck, which is driven by a person? Sure, we'll have autonomous vehicles someday. Autonomous vehicles created by people. By people, backed by people, right. right? People are the product. They're the consumer in mind. All right. And so, yes, we're talking about the touchy or more feely side of things here, but about caring, right? But that's what gets products to be created. That's what creates culture. That's what creates motivation and value. And that's what our economy is built on. It's what our society is built on in creating value. I would 100% agree. So uh, that said, Wayne, I, I've thoroughly appreciated having you on the podcast. Um, know that we will definitely have you on here in the future. I'm sure you and I will collab 
several times over the course of the near future. Um, wow. All I can say is, wow, you've dropped a ton of knowledge on us. And this four-part series, I really appreciate diving into each one as deliberately as we did. Thank you for bringing some good expertise and, and background to each one. Yeah. Um, especially think we're going to find, you know, your perspective as a recruiter extremely useful. Uh, I, I applaud you for, you know, bordering on that line of giving away industry secrets while still giving us <laughs> a peek behind the curtain. I thought you did a great job keeping that, keeping that there. Um, but thank you for the tips and tricks and, and just for, uh, you know, being a resource and, and being a young leader who, who gives a damn. I think mm -hmm. that's very important and uh, something that our listeners can certainly look up to as well. So thank you. Any, any parting, uh, parting words or wishes before we sign off for the series? You know, Tom, I'm just really happy that I was able to contribute. I've, I've always, I've never lost by giving, right? And then for anyone else out there too, you know, I'm very happy to have, have spent time this way because I was given so much. And if I can, you know, make a difference for anyone that listened, yourself, uh, years to come, that, that's all that mattered. Right. And then that's hopefully what we find across all forms of leadership is to, to pour into others as best we can. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks very much again. I'm sure we'll have Mr. Worthington back with us, but a huge thank you to Wayne Worthington for joining us over the last few weeks. And uh, just remember age is a mindset, but leadership is a calling.